Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. So a story has been circulating on the old-fashioned internet for about a year, maybe a little more. It's told by a woman who is meeting friends at a coffee shop, and she places her order and pays, and as the barista takes her order, they ask, what is your name? And the woman says that she gave her name as the Lord be with you. And so when her coffee was ready, the barista shouted to the whole coffee shop, The Lord be with you. And the people in the coffee shop shouted back, And also with you. Good call and response. And it is call and response. Now, if you've ever been to a Presbytery of Detroit youth event, you might hear another call and response. One person, usually one of the leaders, calls out, God is good. And then everybody replies, all the time. And then when the leader says, all the time, the people respond, God is good. God is good. All the time. time. Man, you guys are pros. Call and response. But what is behind the call and the response is something very deep, something important. It's identity. Call and response shape who we are and why we live. Call and response can form a group of people into belonging. And in the activity of worship and prayer in the life of the church, call and response helps to shape our faith into belonging to God as well as belonging to one another. Now in the month of January, the sermons are grouped in a series somewhat loosely, but each week I am approaching the scriptures with an epiphany frame of mind. Last week we celebrated epiphany in worship, and this series I am calling Illuminating Life for a Good Reason. I'm reading each text to try and understand, to think about who Jesus is, and then turning to our own lives, considering who we are because of who Jesus is. What is it that we, the church, as a people of faith, become because of who Jesus is? So today we are speaking about identity and belonging. Next Sunday we'll explore ways that Jesus calls us to walk together in our faith. The last Sunday of January we'll consider how the mission of the church is illuminated by the ministry of Jesus, of who Jesus is. 
But last week on Epiphany, we got started somewhat quietly as we each received Epiphany stars in worship. It's a star with a word on it to guide us in our faith and living our faith in the coming year. Now, if you didn't get one, there is a basket that's on the table near the elder's desk in the foyer, and I would invite you to pick up your own Epiphany star. Now, just take one. There's no rooting through to look for one you want. But last week, we read about the gifts that God offers through Jesus, and Jesus, having offered grace and love and salvation, invites a faithful response that we would offer through our gifts to the world, to God, to one another, to our community. It's a call and a response. Now, finding our identity in Christ is the response to God's call, to God placing a call in our lives. Now, today in the liturgical calendar, we celebrate Baptism of the Lord Sunday. And our scripture is the story from the Gospel of Luke of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptizer. Now the people have gathered at the river filled with expectation. They are expecting to meet the Messiah. They're waiting to learn who the identity of the Messiah is, and they're disappointed because John the Baptist is saying, it is not I. Some thought he was. But instead, John pointed, John revealed who the Messiah was. Jesus, the one who gathered among all the rest of the people at the river, waiting in line to be baptized by John and when John, or when Jesus steps forward to be baptized by John, yes, the people saw who the Messiah was. The Messiah was revealed. This one called Jesus. And Jesus comes, John says, baptizing not with water, but with the Holy Spirit and fire. It's not just the simple water that John pours. And if you hear these words about spirit and fire with a little bit of confusion or perhaps a little bit of anxiety or perhaps a bit of weight because the words sound like a bit of judgment, you should know that we hear these words a bit differently than those who gathered at that river. Those who gathered, those who lined up to receive water from John the baptizer would have heard the echoes of God's promises from the Hebrew scriptures, from Genesis. They would have heard the Holy Spirit evoking the chaos of creation in the very first sentence of Genesis. They would have heard God shaping and forming the universe and a place for us, for people, in it. The language of fire reveals something soon to grow quickly. Like fires 
in the forest, the open pine cones that release seeds that enter the soil and the carbon and ash of the fire that is left over becomes food for these seeds to become trees. And trees, having grown together, make a forest. Those who gather to be baptized learned the identity of the Messiah, but they also learned about their own identity in relationship to God. Each one is no other than a child of God, one of God's beloved. Now the words that the voice from the heavens speak to Jesus, they are words that Jesus will speak again and again through his ministry with people. At homes, at dinner tables, at bedsides, with the sick, with the poor, with the wealthy, with the powerful. No one is exempt, no one is excluded from the words that Jesus speaks, from the words of love that Jesus offers. Again and again, Jesus turns to people saying, You are my beloved. And Jesus turns again and again to the excluded as well as to the exclusive. And Jesus, in so many different ways, says, You are loved, you are a child of God, you belong. Now, understanding an identity of being among God's beloved is primary to faith. It comes before all else. And when we know who we are, we then can fully know our sense of purpose. Before we know our mission in the church, we must first know our identity, who we are, whose we are. Now, modern Western culture has tried to assist in this process, sometimes in funny ways, like imagining Jesus living in our shoes as though he were one of us living today. Jesus the physician, Jesus the CEO, Jesus out on the golf course, those are usually my favorite. Or there's others more serious, like artists who envision Jesus standing among the bread lines or working in factories or any number of other contemporary situations. And we can try this for ourselves right now. I would like to offer one perhaps a little more silly. What if we return to our coffee shop story that began this sermon? What if we added another cultural portrayal of Jesus to the long list? And what if it were you or I in this story walking up to the barista in the coffee shop? And what if the barista was Jesus? I know, it's a little bit cheesy even for me. You can do your eye roll now, but hang with me here. What if Jesus was the barista and Jesus asks us for our name and we give it? 
Susan or Jim or Nicole, John or Sherry or Peter or Paul or so on. We have a lot of names in this room. What happens next? If we are thinking in terms of baptism, Jesus writes the name on the cup. And then right next to the name, Jesus writes, Beloved. It's big, it's bold, it's part of your name, Beloved. And then we go and take our seat at a table with friends or strangers, and Jesus gets to the business of making our coffee. Now, if we look at our lives with a baptismal way of thinking, we realize that God calls us beloved before anything else. Call, and then response. The call is clear, it is undeniable, and it is a promise that we can trust. We are God's beloved. So is the response to be a faithful, baptismal way of looking at the world, to see everyone else as God's beloved. So when our coffee order is called, and our Messiah-turned-barista calls out loud and clear, Beloved, your coffee is ready. While the call is clear, our response is to. Our response is to jump up and claim our identity and take the coffee and enjoy it. We can trust that we are God's beloved, after all. And we drink deeply of that well of grace, Beloved. But there's another deeply faithful response as well. Upon hearing the word called, the name called, beloved, another response is to turn to our neighbor and say, I think Jesus is calling your name. We can trust that our neighbor is called God's beloved after all. Call and response. God is good all the time. So whether our neighbor is male or female or black or white or gay or straight or transgender or binary, non-binary, or we follow Michigan or Michigan State or Ohio State, whether it's immigrant, refugee, asylee, regardless of nation, occupation, race, class, ethnicity, God turns to every single one of us with a name that gives an identity of belonging, beloved, child of God. And in this call and response, an identity is named, articulated, living with an understanding that every person is a child of God, if that was our first, the first thing that came to mind when we saw another person, it would reshape the entire way we live. And when we baptize in the church, the pastor speaks these words. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
child of God in your baptism, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and you belong to God forever. This is a promise that we can put our faith in. Now today we remember one of the great gifts of Christian faith, the sacrament of baptism. It is the sacrament that welcomes us into the church, that calls us into belonging as part of the body of Christ. And we will remember our own baptisms, if we desire, by having the chance to reaffirm the covenant that was made at our baptism. Now, for clarity's sake, this is not a second baptism. This is remembering the original one. We only need to be baptized once. We are only baptized once. But regardless of denomination or method, whether it was sprinkling, splashing, immersion, in a lake, in a pool, regardless of any of these, just once. But today is also not an opportunity to receive the sacrament of baptism either. And there's good reason for this. The tradition of the church is to remember baptisms publicly so that members can remember the promise made in their baptism, whether they made it or parents or a guardian made it on their behalf, that they can remember the promise with gratitude, that we remember the promise with gratitude. But there's another purpose, too, which is to show the meaning of the sacrament lived out by the whole body gathered for those who've not yet received the gift of baptism. That is to say, those more experienced in faith can lead the way for others. So if it is something that you have not experienced and wanted to, we can have a conversation later. Feel free to call. But as we remember, as we reaffirm the identity that we received from God in baptism, we remember that God claims us all as children of God, that God unites us together to be the body of Christ that we call the church. And the good news that we celebrate is that nothing, absolutely nothing, can take this away. So today, as we remember our baptisms, this is what we are remembering. We remember the identity given to us by God, which is that you are called by God's grace to a life of faith. And we remember the identity that God gives every person, that you are loved by a God whose promise is grace. And we remember the identity that we, as the church, are called to practice. That is to say that the church lives to be a community that nourishes and nurtures lives of faith. We seek and do our very best to offer such care for every person who enters these doors. So today, you will be invited to come forward, to be anointed with oil, and to remember your baptism.
to remember the promises that God offers in baptism and the ways that we are invited, having received that call, to respond, to respond faithfully in all the ways that we live our lives out in the world. So friends, those of you who've received the gift of baptism before, remember your baptism and be grateful. All gratitude, all glory to God, this day and always. Amen.